Welcome to Financial Foresight. This podcast was made by four fee-only CFP professionals to help consumers understand the financial industry. Let's meet your hosts. They're either naive, they're stupid, or they're lazy. You know, the other thing is, is uh, my ceiling fan just went out in my kitchen today. He is the commander in chief on this video right now. And uh, man, I am feeling controlled and empowered and safe. Don't stop for Dwight's baby. We can edit that out. (laughs) All of the podcast hosts are owners of RIAs registered in their respective home states. All commentary on this podcast represent the opinions of individuals and not their firms. All commentary is financial education, not financial advice. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Financial Foresight Podcast. We have the whole gang together today. So myself, Isaiah Douglas, Ian Bloom, Colin Overweg, and Dwight Detloff. We're going to talk about designations in the alphabet soup that is uh, the world of financial advice and how many different designations are out there. So we all share the CFP, which stands for Certified Financial Planner. The CFP really is the gold standard for our industry, and it is a mile wide and really like an inch deep. So it covers topics like professional conduct and regulation, general planning principles, education planning, risk management, insurance planning, investment planning, tax planning, retirement savings and income planning, and estate planning. So like I said, that's a ton of information and there's a lot of people that have very specific niches within that, but the CFP provides a planner kind of a basic introduction to all those different topics. With that, I'll turn it over Dwight, can you share a little bit more about a CPA, since that's really your world and where you've come from? Sure. So I think the one thing to really keep in mind as far as the CPA is one, it's it's a license, so it's a little bit different than just a pure designation. We're actually licensed by each individual state. But secondly, is that not all CPAs are created equal. Each, uh, similar to the CFP, just in a different realm, is that it, it's a mile wide. I mean, I had to take four exams over a lot of different things. Um, Uh, But a lot of it's audit. So you may find CPAs that don't do any type of financial planning or don't do any type of tax or anything like that. Um, So you've got to really make sure what what is it that you're looking to accomplish um, in terms of your financial plan and what services you require um, and and find that and make sure you ask. But again, I think it's a good it's a good benchmark to kind of start um, to start your search. Yeah. And. To Dwight's point, the CPA also stands for Certified Public Accountant. Um, another another designation that's kind of gotten really popular in the investing community is CFA or Chartered Financial Analyst. And basically what the CFA is, is it's a designation focused on the management of investments and uh and asset management for increasing wealth. So the CFA is a little bit more specific into that, whereas the CPA and CFP are much more broad designations. And Ian, I'd touch on like CFAs are typically gonna work for um, investment companies. So really a lot of times if you own a ETF, if you own a mutual fund, there's CFAs that are like the portfolio managers. So analyzing companies, looking at all those documents and deciding why one company's better to invest in versus another. but very, very specific to investment management, including options and other more esoteric and interesting or not so interesting strategies for folks. 
<laughs> right. They they usually focus on the creation of investments. Um, so as a result, there are a lot of them working for larger organizations, and there are still some of them in the public individual investing sector, but they're fewer and far between. Yeah. And before expanding on even a couple more designations, just wanted to make a comment about the the CFP and uh, to Isaiah's point about it being a mile wide and an inch deep. I totally agree. It almost to a, a certain extent just gives you the knowledge to ask the right questions. Because even though, yes, we were trained and tested on estate planning and tax and things like that, those are technically outside of our profession. So I always find myself becoming best friends with the client's uh, personal tax provider or CPA or becoming best friends with their estate attorney so that we can really just kind of quarterback all the different relationships that funnel into their financial plan. And what's even funny as well with like insurance, for example, uh, being a fee-only advisor, which we all are, uh, we're not the one actually trans- transacting the insurance sales. So to some extent, we need to find a partner in that world as well. So uh, it, it really is kind of just getting yourself in the client's shoes, uh, the CPA this uh, or the CFP that is, uh, giving you the knowledge to to understand how everything is interconnected and bringing everything together, fitting all the pieces of the puzzle. Um, I, I think that's the number one, the gold standard, like you mentioned. There's obviously some other designations such as like the CDFA, which is the Certified Divorced Financial Analyst. Like if you're trying to kind of create a niche, I believe, in, in a certain area, um, or maybe you're a CFP, and but you want to focus a little bit more on tax, there's also, you know, the, the designation of the Enrolled Agent or EA. Um, also, maybe if you worked uh, a little bit more with uh, uh, clients that are cash flow focused or trying to just get them themselves into a situation where they can start creating wealth, uh, then maybe you might be working with like uh, an, an accredited financial counselor, the AFC. So there's a lot of other designations that in my mind are kind of niche oriented or more specific to certain cases. But if you're looking for a financial planner to help you in the direction, I think we could probably all agree two thumbs up to the CFP. Yeah, there's, there's so many and there are certain designations that literally take a weekend to get and people love to throw on their business cards to try to impress those that they meet and they don't really provide any valuable content or education. So I'd be wary there. There are really good ones that maybe aren't as familiar. Like I can remember the Certified Private Wealth Advisor is uh, one that if you're going to be dealing a lot more with estate and tax planning stuff is a nice add-on to the CFP. Uh, That's a tremendous program and it's a very long and expensive program. So someone that has that, uh, you know, hats off. I think they spent a lot of time to work with a specific type of of client and a lot of times that's more family office or really really high net worth folks that that would make more sense for but yeah uh and the last thing i'll say is the cfp uh colin and ian and i were all told that cfp stands for can't produce from our previous employers at certain points in time and um, we absolutely disagree with that i'm so glad that they still were able to pay for mine prior to me leaving even though they didn't really love the idea of doing, you know, real planning, uh, but hey, so they can say what they want, but I appreciate the uh, the funding to get my CFP. They were just scared that you would actually do real financial planning for your clients and realize they didn't need to be sold everything, Isaiah. 
And that's just that's just so unfortunate that you did that. And even as a CPA, I still went and got my CFP because of all the additional knowledge that I even found there. I mean, sure, there was parts of it that I was like, okay, this is not so bad because I had expertise in that. But I imagine the same way for the three of you that parts of CFP were more review and probably parts of it that were a lot of good learning. So um, I'm glad I went through the whole uh, education process and, and, and that whole piece. I think there would have been a lot that I would have um, been that I would have missed had I not done it. So oh, I agree. I took a lot of little like I, I think the CFP education really fine tuned my approach to financial planning. I was already doing a lot of the stuff that was included in the designation. So some of it was review, but it definitely fine tuned it. In any case, I hope this was helpful for our listeners because when with 200 plus designations out there, trying to figure out which ones actually matter is super difficult. And so we wanted to take a couple minutes to address it. And then I think another question to ask along this vein that we could probably spend a few minutes on is what qualities actually make a good financial planner. We've touched on this a little bit previously, but I think it goes along with the designation conversation. Yeah. So there was a really good tweet that was out earlier from uh, an advisor that's that's out there. He's in California and it was posed as a question and it was uh, a poll. And so a lot of financial planners were probably answering this since that's the majority of his audience. But still, it said, if you were looking for a financial planner and could only choose between these two options, would you rather hire a certified financial planner that just received their designation is fresh out of college or hire a fee-only advisor with no designation but has 20 years experience as an advisor. The poll came back 82% advisor with 20 years of experience and 18% with a CFP with no experience. I find it very hard to say that anyone would wanna hire um, a really you know, wet behind the ears, fresh face CFP to help them with retirement planning if they're 65 and thinking about you know all these different questions that they have or even if they're 40 and they own a business and they have questions it's just really hard for someone that has no practical experience to provide some of that context and information now granted they went through the cfp and they have some good foundational knowledge but you have to do some of it to learn that just like with any subject you can't take everything you learn in the book and say well this is how it works in real life because money is emotional and people are sometimes more difficult to work with than uh, the hypothetical cases that you go through. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys watch Forged in Fire, that show on the History Channel, and I promise I'll tie it back to what we're talking about. But I like to think of the CFP education as like the raw material, right? The, The actual substance that you need. And then being in the field and doing a lot of this work starts to give it shape. So having you know, the raw material of the CFP education doesn't necessarily make you a great financial planner. Working with other financial planners, seeing how they work, seeing the emotional aspects of money and how money actually flows in the real world tends to give that material shape and allow you to use it, right? So I I think that's kind of the approach that I take. I, I would agree that the 20-year fee-only planner would be the way that I would go in response to that tweet. However, I find it really hard to believe that a 20-year fee-only planner wouldn't have at some point gotten their CFP at some point anyway, because I I find that planners that find their way over to the fee-only side of the spectrum are usually doing it for their client's best interest, and they're usually pretty knowledge-focused people. I would totally agree with that. The I I would definitely go with the 20-year fee-only, and I think you're bringing up such a, a important second piece here. 
Um, number one, 20 years of experience in the financial planning world, you're probably going to have a better skill set than just uh, you know taking taking an exam and, and passing the course here. Um, but number two, working with a, a fee-only advisor, I think, is actually probably more important or just as important as working with a CFP because you can still be working with a CFP, a certified financial planner who is at a company that maybe doesn't offer all of the products in the world and when you sign up for that brokerage account and you sign those 20 pages of disclosures in there probably is telling you that they only have access to a certain amount of actively managed uh, mutual funds or maybe that they aren't able to uh, provide different services or maybe even just blatantly say this might not be the best product ever but you understand that you want to work with this person for this, this, and this. Like, you know, when you sign those 20 pages of disclosure disclosures, which uh, a lot of broker-dealers have to put in there, especially if there's a, their advisors are CFPs, there's, uh, there's something to go along with that and something to be said for that. So uh, the best case scenario in my mind would be to work with a certified financial planner who's also fee-only. Um, your guys' thoughts on maybe the difference or which one's more important? Oh, I totally agree. I say if you do two things, CFP fee only, 90% of the bad apples are gone. Um, I do think there's still people that maybe meet those criteria that I still wouldn't work with and I had a good example of that earlier this year. But yeah, uh, at a, a large firm, a lot of the large firms are pushing back on the CFP wanting to raise their standards of care. And uh, a lot of household names are asking them, don't do this. We're not going to allow CFPs to be in our um, you know, company if this is the case because they are going to sacrifice revenue and at the end of the day that's what's most important to them and the clients aren't clients of those advisors, they're clients of the firm and the firm owns those clients. So that's going down a whole nother rabbit hole but you know, big national firms definitely don't love embracing the CFP way of being extremely transparent and trying to do things you know, kind of above board. So we'll see what happens in uh, I imagine they'll, they'll find some way to come to terms with it. But if they don't, it just is going to make the CFP even more valuable. So I'll, I'll push back just a little bit or just maybe take a different angle on it, which is, again, understanding what it is you need. So, again, in, in my world, when I was working in public accounting, again, a lot of small business owners, things like that talking about buy sell agreements and many times those are funded by life insurance was well, a fee only you know as fee only and again as CPAs we weren't selling life insurance and so we still had to bring somebody in that knew it now typically we weren't calling somebody off the street at one of the big names that you might know we were typically working with life insurance agents that had very specific niches if you will in this type of atmosphere or in this you know in this arena that knew what they were doing and the ins and outs of, you know, again, maybe a buy sell agreement and things like that. So they were bringing a lot of um, expertise to that conversation with us as CPAs, as well as the attorneys um, to be part of that whole team. But again, that was a very specific instance or specific instances where we're trying to, we have a, we have a need and this is what we're doing. And that's just the way that is. Um, again, our clients weren't just getting out the phone book and, and calling your local, life insurance agent. Um, so again, it, it's helpful to understand where those, you know, what problems that advisor is trying, trying to solve. So just because somebody isn't fee only doesn't make them necessarily uh, a bad person, but just understand what it is you're trying to, to accomplish. 
I agree with that. I think that there's a time and a place for every or almost every type of professional and life insurance specialists are super useful in certain situations. Just in the grand scheme of financial planning, I do agree that CFP and fee only is a good way to go. Yep. But there's always niche cases, right? Like I, I have a client that I actually just referred to an attorney after they spoke with me. Actually, they didn't become a client, an almost client. Um, <laughs> because all they really needed was an estate plan, and they were meticulously accounting for almost every other part of their financial life. So it's one of those cases where, you know, sometimes you don't have to work with everybody. But Yeah, I, I still agree, though. You're right. Like, if you're looking for an overall financial plan, CFP fee only is, is a dang good spot to start. Um, you know, a little bit of know yourself. If, you're, if you've got some really complicated tax stuff, you know, you own a bunch of rental properties or flow through businesses, whatever, then you probably want to find somebody. It doesn't have to be a CPA, but somebody that has, has some of that knowledge in terms of how that works. But if you're really heavy into investments and, you, you know, that's where you're at, then again, you probably want to find somebody that has a little bit more knowledge than that. So again, it's just a matter of what makes sense for yourself. Know yourself and, and know what you're looking for. Probably no different than anything else. You're not going to have knee problems and go to a cardiologist. It's probably not a smart play. You're gonna... Why don't we go ahead and switch topics? We have a tweet of the week, and then I think we're going to close out because we actually went pretty long on that topic. The tweet of the week that I wanted to talk about today was actually something a little bit unrelated to the financial field, but it's it's kind of related as well. It was a tweet by Tyrone uh, Ross Jr., TR401 on Twitter, and he said, I just received the most depressing attempt at a cold call. It's sad to say, but I think the art of the cold call has been lost forever. My smile and dial heart weeps. And that prompted a whole conversation with a lot of people about why cold calling as a as a way to start off in this business was actually helpful even though it sucked at the time um so the the qualities that tyrone goes on to identify that you get from cold calling are don't start off conversations with a lie speak clearly and articulate your words slow down learn the power of pausing and sound excited you know if if somebody's listening to you they should be excited too so I wanted to cover this less because I'm excited about the idea of cold calling. I started my career that way and I, I don't want to do that again. But I do like talking about how some of the more difficult things that we've had to do throughout our careers have shaped the way that we view our modern careers. So what do you guys think? Any, uh, any thoughts on cold calling or how that maybe changed your financial planning practice? I'm going to just start off and say I've never had to do it um, because I started off as you know, with the idea of accountants being professions. So I was able to go in and work and do work, which is not great, you know, 80 hour weeks doing tax returns and audits and things like that. But, um, you know, our philosophy in terms of who we were working with, in terms of our target clients, um, was a lot more about centers of influence and networking um, and things like that. So I've never had the expectation of cold calling or this, uh, this high pressure sales culture. And I don't mean because I'm above it. I just don't have that particular experience. Yeah, I, I started in the cold calling world. And I, I, I think to your point, Ian, it, uh, I, I don't ever want to go back. It wasn't fun. Definitely got uh, told to fly a kite a couple times and hung up on. Um, but it, it kind of gets back to, I think, kind of the, the bigger topic here of just being able to sell yourself and sell your services. Um, and the point I always like to make is like, 
you could be the best financial planner or tax analyst in the world. But if you're not able to communicate your ideas and thoughts, then you're going to die with that knowledge, or at least you're not going to be able to help as many people as what maybe you should be. So uh, there's a huge uh, positive and a huge push to being able to create business, especially if you're running your own practice. You know, we kind of are the technicians uh, doing the work and also the marketers out there prospecting and getting new business. Um, and I do believe there is a big difference between marketing and prospecting. Um, but that's kind of my take. So I don't believe that sales is bad. Sales is evil. Uh, but it, it's really interesting where if you can get yourself into a position kind of like Dwight started out where you're more of the technician and you're not relied on for creating new business, I think that's an awesome place to grow your experience as the specialist. Um, but if you go on and start your own business or are in a position that we're in, you're probably going to have to wear both hats. And uh, hopefully you have a little bit of the smile and dial mentality because people want to they want to work with people they know, like and trust. And that's not going to happen if you're just, you know, I'm really smart and you should work with me because I'm so special. Yeah, mentality. a lot of great points. My history was kind of told you can either cold call or build relationships. I chose to build relationships, which I'm very happy now that I've left and started my own business, those relationships with COIs and um, folks that I you know, trust and credit with a lot of my success uh, of starting this business. I did try to cold call, just was never very good at it. I never felt comfortable. I'm not receptive to it, so I never had any conviction. And I'm one of those people, like if I have no conviction, you can tell instantly and it's like, oh, this is just awkward. So <laughs> um, I'm with you though. Like, I think, the, I think the industry is changing with real financial advice. So again, back to the firms that want to be fee only, that are going to hire CFPs. They want to bring people in to learn and have more of the tax and accounting route. But the problem is the person that started that firm knew how to sell and bring in business. And then when they retire, you have a bunch of practitioners that have no idea how to go out and tell people why they should work with them. They're just like, oh, we just do financial planning. Great. So does the 12 other people that this person's met and talked with. So how are you different? And you are having to sell yourself and explain, you know, what you do that is different. And if you don't have a good value proposition or process uh, or niche or anything like that, you're just one in a sea of a ton of other people that are fee-only CFPs. And that really makes it hard to differentiate yourself. So that's why niches make a lot of sense. That's why extra accreditations and studying to understand and solve a solution because that's what people ultimately want. That's why they come to a financial planner is to solve the problems that they have. They don't come because they want 50 pages to tell them that they're going to hit their retirement goal at 68 and a half. Like they can do that with calculators online too. So yeah, I mean, I actually, I actually think that the skill set is pretty generally applicable, which is why I brought this up. Like if you're a corporate employee, Sure, you might not have to sell to clients or something as much, but if you have any sort of outside customer-facing role, you better know how to interface with customers. If you don't, you better know how to sell yourself when you want a promotion, you know? And and that kind of goes all over the place. So, you know, if you know Isaiah, your niche is veterinarians and dentists, and they have to make sure that their clients actually use their services. So I think that all, all these things are super applicable and I just thought it was an interesting tweak to bring up because I actually think that the rules that Tyrone outlined are 
kind of the laws of speaking with purpose, right? If you have a reason to have a conversation, you need to make sure that you're telling the truth, that you're speaking clearly and articulating your words, that you're punctuating things with pauses, and that um, you sound excited when you're talking about something, right? You need to make sure that the people that are following along in the conversation also want the thing that you want which is where that excitement comes in. So I just thought it was an interesting skill set. I was going to say one, one other point on that. I saw a tweet that came out. It was like, if you just do what you say you'll do, you're in the top 10% of people out there because so many people can sell a dream, but there's no follow through or execution. So that's just another kind of tangent to go along with Tyrone's wise and sage words. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess let's go ahead and wrap up for this week. Does anyone have any closing thoughts on designations, sales, anything like that? I mean, I think the the most obvious wrap up would be that we all believe that the CFP is probably the gold standard for financial planning. Uh, if you're going to be working with someone and you and you really want to trust them, at least the first step would be to probably make sure that they they have that. And if they don't, uh, have a really good explanation or understanding of of why they don't. Uh, and and also the second piece would probably be working with a fee only advisor. I don't believe that it's maybe 100% necessary. I know my previous mentor uh, is someone who is not currently fee only, and I would trust him with my money. But it's it definitely uh, I think to Isaiah's point earlier eliminates a lot of the bad apples. Yeah, I agree, and I think that the skills that you get from uh, having to do the things that suck in life also teach you important lessons that you better make sure to generalize to the things you actually enjoy. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast this week. Hope we cleared up some uh, alphabet soup for you, and uh, see you soon. Thanks so much for listening. We hope we were able to make you laugh and allow you to learn something. For all inquiries and questions, please email financialforesight at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, feel free to give us a follow and ask a question there as well. Remember the podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only, and you should not consider what we've talked about investment or tax advice. Please consult your professional team before implementing anything we talked about. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and maybe leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and thank you so much for listening. We'll be talking again soon.